Talk Real Estate with Sharon McNamara. Brought to you by Boston Connect Real Estate Services. Connect with Sharon now at 781-837-4900 and online at bostonconnect.com. Now, here's Sharon McNamara. Good morning, South Shore listeners. This is Michael Damon. As you can tell by my voice, it is not Sharon McNamara. Sharon is on a well-deserved vacation. And I'm filling in for her today, and I've been on before. I am a CPA with Damon & Associates, the president, and I have a couple special guests today. One was on the previous show, Bob Gleason, who is a realtor agent with uh, Boston Connect in Sharon's office. And I have both attorney and state representative Jim Cantwell with us today. Thank you, Jim, for coming. Good morning, Mike. Thanks for having us. And hey, Bob. Mike. Thank you very much for having me. Glad to have both of you here. So I think we have an exciting show. We want to cover some topics. Some may find a, a little bit boring, but very, very important uh, to real estate. Um, everybody who is involved in a real estate transaction um, will have some of the issues that we're going to discuss uh, today. And, and some of those is, is the HUD statement or the settlement statement um, with their real estate closing. And... Um, you know, one of the things that I have used, we've talked about, is title insurance, Jim. Right. And, and maybe you could explain a little bit about what that is and, and, and what benefit it is to both lenders and homeowners. A- absolutely. So when folks are getting ready to, to have a closing to buy uh, and purchase real estate, one of the things that realtors uh, know very well, and Bob will talk about it a little bit later, and one of the things that all attorneys who do uh, real estate like myself realize that, that for title insurance, when you buy a property, you want to make sure that, that you have what we call clear title to make sure that, that the person you're buying the property from actually owns that property and the meets and bounds of the property are correct. Uh, there are so many circumstances when people will buy a property and didn't realize that, that uh, a deck that they had was actually over an area that it shouldn't have been. Perhaps it's on another person's property. Sometimes there are pools that, that are on another property. There are sometimes there are paper roads that go right through their home. There are a whole number of circumstances where it's important that uh, through due diligence when people will go and, and do what, what's called, a, they'll do their whole registry check to make sure that they look through and, and, and find any document that relates to your property. If they make a mistake, you need title insurance. And we always tell folks uh, when they're first purchasing property that uh, the look back goes for 50 years, uh, but you want to purchase this insurance. So if another person comes forward and says, you know what, I was an heir to that prior owner who sold the property. I did not consent to its sale and I want to be compensated. Or if there's another person that says your property that you purchased uh, has some defect to it that then we want to assert an interest, your property insurance, uh, your title insurance that is, would kick in and that would cover any kind of claim. Is, um, you know, I've been doing uh, accounting and taxes now since 1981. And in the old days, I remember seeing settlement sheets, but I only remember seeing lenders' title insurance. And nowadays, we always see, or, or primarily see, we see homeowners' title insurance as well. Is that really something new that the last 10 or 15 years with the lawyers have been saying you should own it as well? I think it, in the industry, you always see the banks require, when you're buying the property, the bank will require you must pay for their lenders' title insurance. That covers them. It does not cover your particular circumstances. So you are correct. Just in, in, in my practice over the last now 20 years, uh, it is now, it, it's, uh, it would be almost a, a tantamount to malpractice for someone not to get uh, the title insurance for a purchaser. And Bob's shaking his head correct yeah. that, that we tell every single purchaser of property, 
absolutely you have to get the title insurance, at least for the first time when you purchase a property and you have it there. Then if you're refinancing and the like, you still have you still have that protection. You don't have to do it right. every single time. But uh, so it, it is, I wouldn't say it's that new. It's been for as long okay. as I've been practicing okay. real estate. Okay. That, but, but I, it is. I just don't remember it because, you know, you know when, when somebody buys a house, especially if it's either a second home that they may rent or commercial properties, um, you know, we capitalize, we look at those costs, capitalize them as part of the cost of the property. And Maybe I just didn't pay that much of attention, but I do pay attention. And my personal history, I've used title insurance twice now. When supposedly I had bought, got clean title, either went back to refinance or a sell, which I sold uh, with my partner uh, a condo recently, sure. a commercial condo, mm-hmm. and we did not have clean title. And, mm-hmm. of course, the, the last five banks who owned that note don't exist anymore. Right. They all got bought out. I understand. And so, so it, it took uh, uh, an, a lot of time to get that fixed. So your personal experiences for anyone listening here now is exactly why we tell people to, to get title insurance because it would slow down a transaction if, if there's any imperfection. Um, and by the way, there are things that are as simple as just mortgage discharges that that, that comes up in a regular right all the time that then you're trying to track down one of the five banks over the, the history and, and try to prove that that a mortgage was discharged but more significant issues that and it, it happens with most commonly it is when there's been the death of a party that that then is passing on property and there's an heir that was missed somehow through the probate process and someone could surface and say well, i had an interest uh or we have here in marshfield uh, in situ itself, so we have a lot of properties where there are old paper roads. Uh, it used mm-hmm. to be the sections of Marshfield where the Boston Herald used to advertise, "Buy the Herald, and we're going to give you a lot of land." Actually, <laughs> oh, really? <laughs> yeah, and, and there, and so there are a lot of paper roads that have created some some interesting scenarios where people have built a home, and there's actually supposed to be a road going right through their home. Um, you know, it, it, it'll give people the the assurance, and that's what insurance should be for, is, is that you purchase this uh, policy, and that way, if there is any concern that gets raised about the meets and bounds of your property or uh, about an heir that may have been missed, that you're covered. Bob, you were shaking your head. So yeah, Bob, have you run well, yeah, across well, this? Uh, well, no, but um, I, I just, I, I, real, I, I deal quite a bit with seniors okay. or boomers. I'd rather be called a boomer. Um, but in a lot of cases, people have lived in their houses for a very long period of time. And uh, going along with what Jim was saying, that title insurance was probably for the bank 30 years ago rather than for an individual. And sometimes, uh, I had a closing last year where some mortgages were not recorded that they were discharged. And that held things up. And, right. that, and that happens all the time. But that's human error, I think. It didn't pay attention to the, the uh, getting getting the proper documents back from the bank. And then the other thing, too, like Jim was uh, mentioning, too, is that a lot of banks don't exist anymore. You know, they're, right. they're a lot, gone. A lot of mergers have and gone. A lot on. of mergers, right. and you don't, and it's got to be very, very difficult for an attorney to, to track down all of those supposedly discharged mortgages. So dealing with boomers and wanting to sell their properties and move either laterally to the to a, a home of the equal value, or if they want to downsize, going through that process of clearing their title can be can be difficult. Mm-hmm. So title insurance certainly would is, would take care of that going forward. And it's as, it, the title insurance, I'm sure to cut you off, Mike, it, it is as long as you own that property, it covers you. So you buy it that one time, and as long as you own that property, you have the coverage. So I, you know, I have a uh, settlement statement here from one of my own transactions that Chris Gleason, by the way, full disclosure, Bob's son, <laughs> Need uh, it, it, it does, does all my all my work that, that we didn't have to purchase it a second time because we already had the coverage the right. first time through. So. Yeah. Is there... Um 
Are the premiums negotiable? Are they set by the state? Um, how is that done? The premiums are set. They're, they're not negotiable, but... But this is part of the, the great reason why I know when you were calling to say to have us on that for the HUD settlement statement, people, it, it's the most important thing that, that a person has when, when you're a, a, a consumer and you're going to purchase property. At the beginning, you know, folks decide whether or not when, when they're going to make an offer for property. You, you really should make sure you have a, a great uh, real estate broker like Bob or that you have an attorney that can look over uh, right from the beginning when you're doing your offer to purchase. You want to be careful when you're going to lock yourself in. There are certain certain requirements that that it, you you know right from not just the offer to purchase, but thereafter when you're trying to actually do your purchase and sale. There are certain standard clauses that every real real estate uh, uh, closing or every real estate transaction has. But there are other areas where you have to be very careful about what you're locking yourself in to make sure if you can't get a mortgage, that you make sure that that you're not then locked in to still have to go forward with a closing or to lose whatever kind of deposit you put down. For the, the reason I pulled out the HUD settlement statement here, you absolutely want to know when you go through, uh, the, you want to know what uh, the bank is requiring for an escrow to be held. You know, most banks are going to want escrows for taxes because unpaid real estate taxes could be a lien that would take priority over their mortgage, so the bankers don't want that. You want to know what kind of recording fees. Very rare, uh, there are things that are set by the government, but you'd have recording fees. But depending upon who you use for your bank, depending upon who you use for your realtor, I suppose, to degree, but certainly for your lawyer, there are different fees that, that can be assessed that you want to know about. Um, and that's what the HUD settlement statement it talks about. Any of the, the bank fees, your appraisal fee, they can vary. Uh, credit reports, sometimes people get charged. Flood certific uh, certification, we'll talk about later in the right. program. Mm -hmm. uh, homesteads that would be on your property. All these different things you want to know about and, and look at what they're going to charge you. Because a homestead, is, is everyone should have a homestead as well. And I saw Bob shaking his head, yes. But that's a pretty cheap recording fee. There are people who then charge you a great deal of money just to, to prepare what is a very simple one-page document. Right, right. And the homestead, and just to tell our listeners, it's something if you do refinance your home you have to go back and refile the homestead is that correct the, the home that is one of the things you, you should you do put back on but but it's only the, the recording fee now is, is it was 30 35 it's about 30 dollars yeah, 30, 30, 30, 30, 30, 30 and, and cheap money cheap money and and it, it is the thing that you and and the bank will always make sure that that the home the reason why you have to redo it, it is when you're refinancing the bank says well we don't want your homestead protection ahead of, of our our mortgage our loan um but it, it is it is something that uh, that is one thing that you do at every closing what Sure. What and for those people that don't know, what does a homestead do? For the homestead, and actually we have a call coming in right now that that, that Mary McGonigal is going to talk about uh, for your, your homestead protection. Uh, oh, she's. We, we, I don't want to step on her toes because that that, that was one of her talking points. Uh, but he, here's the point where we we're talking offline. Bob, is one of the things that's going to happen now. We have a two-page settlement statement that's right in front of us that, that is for every single. Uh, real estate transaction, and it lists out what all the costs will be uh, for the, the folks, both for the seller of property and for the purchaser of property. Uh, what we have now coming starting in August of this year, August 1st of this year, there are new disclosure requirements by the Dodd-Frank Act that will make this statement, Bob, I, I don't yep. know if you're this is now going to be six Marianne pages. On the line right now. Very good. Marianne, are you there? I am. Hi, Mike. Hi, Marianne. How are you? I'm well, thanks. Uh, Marianne works uh, with uh, a partner with, I believe, Jim yes. in his office. She, she is the real estate genius in our office. <laughs> the real estate genius, yes. And, yes. and I've worked with Marianne myself. I worked with uh, her years ago on an estate, and uh, it, that's great. It, it was a good experience all around. And, it um, was. Yeah, so that's great. So, um, as Jim was saying, I guess there's some updates coming up to the HUD statement. That's right. Um, under the 
the Frank Dodd Act and the new uh, consumer agencies that Elizabeth Warren helped set up. There's going to be a new, what we know now as the settlement statement, is going to be revised. It's going to be much, it's going to be longer. Right now it's just two pages. It's going to be about six pages. Um, and it's going to have a lot more information for the, for the borrower. And it really explain the transaction and the cost of the, the closing transaction. First question, is that going to be six pages uh, legal or eight and a half by 11? <laughs> Um, I'm not sure, actually. I, I would say legal. I, 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 I'm looking at mine here. I, I would say it's going to be legal size. You know, it'll be, and it's going to be really small font to make it... Uh, yeah, very small, hard to read, but long. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, and Marianne, as we were discussing, just some, some of, of uh, as we understand, just the purposes of for... Uh, the the new HUD statement. It's it's so that a consumer not, not that I don't want to take your your uh, talking uh, information, but uh, that it's so that consumers now will get the information seven days ahead of the closing, and it lists every single cost, uh, what what their loan will cost them over the history of of that loan. What That's the, right. Yeah, it'll be it'll be given to the consumer before the closing. Uh, it'll be mailed out by the bank at least ten. Most. Most banks are going to mail it, I think. It will be mailed out 10 business days before the closing. And it, any changes in the HUD, any changes to the numbers have to be redisclosed to the consumer. And some of those, when you, when you start the loan process, you want to talk to your loan officer about the services that you're going to be um, using for the transaction and who's going to be providing those services and what the costs are and what options you have. Some of those services you'll be able to shop for, they call it. But once those fees are set, some of those fees won't be able to change. They call them zero tolerance. Others may be able to change slightly. So it's important that um, the consumer understand which fees are which and what the costs are before they sit down at the table. And, and Marion, one cost that we touched upon, but but I uh, I told Bob that it's really the the purview that you have better expertise. But every single transaction we do, we have a homestead that gets recorded. And as I always tell folks, it's to, just to protect their home. If there if there is litigation, heaven forbid, they're in, in a car accident and someone wants to try to take their home, or if uh, there is some other kind of, of litigation where someone tries to go after them, that, that the homestead would protect them. First, of course, their mortgage has to always be paid. But but it, I, and I know. It's been $35 forever for what the actual recording fee is, and that's on my HUD here. But it varies. One of the reasons why in this regular HUD statement and in the future ones, people want to look to that because it varies what, what attorneys and others would charge just to do that very simple recording. Well, that's right. There's um, a statutory protection now in Massachusetts, thanks to Jim and our legislature, that gives everybody who owns a home and lives there as their principal residence statutory homestead protection of $125,000 protects their equity in the property. Now, that doesn't protect you against voluntary liens that you put on your property, such as a mortgage or other or municipal liens like taxes and things like that. And there are other exceptions that doesn't protect you against child support liens that might um, be assessed against your property. If you prepare and record a homestead form, that you can get at the Registry of Deeds or that the attorney at closing can prepare for you, um, that protects your equity up to $500,000. People over 65 can also declare a a special elderly homestead and disabled people can declare
clear a homestead that gives them some additional protection. Um, the cost of preparing a homestead at closing should range between $100 and $125. Yeah. Uh, Mary Ann, um, we're going to be taking a break in a minute, but um, you know, before we cut away, I'd like to give out your phone number so if people have questions in this area, you know, with the HUD, and I would think, especially maybe with adjustable rate mortgages, there's going to be a lot of disclosure on those six pages as well. Why don't you give us your contact information? Sure, it's Graber Davis and Cantwell in Quincy, and then my number is six one seven 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 three. Six 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 two. Or oh, oh, the best six one seven 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 zero one two two one. Very good. I just want to remind our listeners, this is a call-in talk radio show. Please call in with your questions. We're going to shift gears a little bit after the break, um, talking about uh, flood insurance and in that area. Jim's very familiar with that and how that helps uh, affects homeowners, sellers, and buyers. So we're going to take a break. Plumbing problems are inevitable. Sad to say, do not fix it yourself. After all, that's your home you're living in. McNamara Plumbing. New construction, renovations, repairs, service calls. McNamara Plumbing. Fully insured. 781-294-7100. McNamara Plumbing. Sullivan, Garrity, and Donnelly Insurance is a full-service insurance agency offering a wide range of financial and insurance services. At SG&D, we have access to the strongest and most respected insurance and financial markets available to meet our personal and commercial insurance needs. Since 1922, we take pride in our commitment to providing unparalleled service at competitive prices. With more than eight decades of experience and our ability to meet the complex insurance needs of today, we create the best solutions for our customers personally and professionally. We have convenient offices throughout Massachusetts, including Cohasset, Chatham, and Worcester. Please visit our website at sgdins.com or call 1-800-287-8501. Sullivan, Garrity, and Donnelly Insurance is a proud member of the Assure Alliance Group. Are you thinking about selling your home or buying a new one? Are you a first time home buyer or perhaps just right sizing? Do you have a buyer's agent? Do you know if you really even need one? What is home staging? Will it really help me sell my home faster? Do I have to have a home inspection? How much home insurance do I need for my new home? How do I handle my estate sale? What are home sale contingencies? Have you heard that you have to put 20% down to buy a new home? Did you know that that wasn't true? Are you worried about environmental issues? What is radon, lead paint, and mold? Is there a difference between a foreclosed property or a short sale? Do you need to have a Title V inspection to sell your home? What do you do if your system fails? Are these questions you have but you don't know who to ask? Hi, I'm Sharon McNamara of Boston Connect Real Estate. Call my office for a one-on-one consultation with me or one of the many dedicated agents at Boston Connect Real Estate so we can talk real estate. It's easy to connect with some of the South Shore's most experienced real estate agents. Go to bostonconnect.com, bostonconnect.com, or call 781-826-7300. 50% more talk real estate, absolutely free. Talk real estate with Sharon McNamara. Now, one hour every Saturday morning on 95.9 WATD. We are back. Uh, this is Talk Real Estate with Sharon McNamara. Sharon, as I stated earlier, is away on vacation 
I have with me uh, Bob Gleason of Boston Connect and uh, attorney and state representative Jim Cantwell. And we were just talking about uh, title insurance, what have you. Not an exciting subject, but a very important subject. Absolutely. And, and as I said, I've used it twice on the different properties that I have owned. So it is very important. We're going to shift gears here a little bit. And um, a subject that Jim is quite familiar with, and I believe we're going to have a call in from uh, Joe Rossi, is it? That's correct. Uh, a little bit later on, and we're going to talk about the the current state of flood insurance and how it is affecting uh, you know current homeowners, uh, buyers and sellers. And Bob can maybe add a little bit to that as well as has he been dealing with some transactions in that area and has it affected some of the deals or the prices on the houses? So, so Jim, why don't you kind of give us an update of where things stand? Sure. And, and first, Mike, for those who are listening, I'm certain probably 99% of the people listening are aware of the flood insurance crisis uh, because WATD is such a phenomenal job covering it. But for those who may have not, uh, my two little towns, Marshfield and Situate, helped to change federal law. And it's one of the things I'm most proud of, of the work that we all did together uh, to be able to, uh, to address what was a, a looming crisis. The problem, there was nationally, after Sandy, after Katrina, um, there was a, a large problem where the National Flood Insurance Program had about $20 billion that they recorded as losses. And the federal government said, we have to do something. We can't afford to keep on having these losses. Now, they're, they're from Massachusetts, by the way, we always pay in more than we ever have in losses. So it, it's something that's a little bit of salt in the wound for us. And additionally, as we pointed out when, when this issue came up, uh, since the National Flood Insurance Program was started in the late 60s, early 70s, right up until Katrina, that program turned a $10 billion profit. But instead of that money being invested or, or held as an insurance company would put his reserves and, 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 and be able to be ready for Big Storm, federal government didn't do that. They used all that money, went into the general account, and was spent for other reasons. So when Katrina hit, when Sandy hit, they had no funds there to cover, and they started they started using premiums uh, from other areas, which insurance should do, by the way. When there, when there is in one part of the country, if it typically most of the claims, by the way, people know this, it's not coastal. Most of the claims are along like the Mississippi River. Right. Mm. It's, it's rivers across the country uh, where there'd be flooding and when claims would come in. Uh, and there were people who did not have insurance after Katrina, and yet even though they didn't have insurance, the federal government went and took money from this program. So we, from the beginning, we there was a thing that we, the federal government passed. The first solution was, was a law called the Biggert Waters Law, named for the two Congress people who had authored it, uh, and it was a disaster. Um, as it was passed, it was supposed to have increases in flood insurance rates to cover some of the losses, but those increases became ridiculous. Here in the situate in Marshfield, some people were having flood insurance go from $3,500 a year to $68,000 a year. I was going to ask you that mm. because I remember reading that in the ledger, right. and I'm just saying, there's no way. Mm. I mean, they're exaggerating. Is that true that it, the premium was actually $68,000? It was. I, we, had, we had people come. We, we had a forum here, Mike, that, and you all know just for our town meeting, form of government that I love when, when people can come and, and talk about government and usually we get 200 to 300 people. We did a forum here that I co-hosted with the Marshall Board of Selectmen Congressman Keith and Congressman Lynch. We had 1,800 people come to want to talk about what was happening. I had people absolutely shaking and, and a woman who came up uh, people who live right out uh, near the lighthouse in Situ and she handed me her bill $68,000 for, for one year of insurance. By the way to give coverage the maximum coverage is $250,000 right. um, it would have eaten up the equity in that home in a matter of three or four years. So that was that was. So that's only on two hundred fifty thousand dollars of coverage. So right. let's say it was a million dollar home. Right. Okay, but 
that premium, if she did have a flood, if the house got destroyed um, by what was determined to be a flood, right. she would only get $250,000. Uh, for the flood insurance. And, and the then there'd be a question of what she could try to get from her homeowners. But yeah, you're right. That, that That's the limit, na- the national limit. Now, our homes are far more uh, expensive and, and worthwhile. Well, that's it. Worth, but, but they're more expensive up in the Northeast, particularly around here, mm-hmm. than some other areas of the country. So that's one thing that, that, that we felt should be adjusted. But the other thing that was disastrous for the real estate market, and Bob may uh, uh, want to uh, chip in here, is what, what they said is for any home that was located in a flood zone that also had either Fannie Mae, Freddie Mac loan, that they immediately, when that home sold, boom, they were going to lose any grandfathering protection and the rates would immediately go to the highest, what they call it, actuarial rate, whatever they said that, that, that the market would require for insurance. This program, National Flood Insurance Program, it underwrites risk. It gets said in other places, they say it's being subsidized. Well, not really, because what happens is people put their own premiums in. Uh, they, they pay their premium. It goes into the, this, this account, and the federal government says, we will accept the risk. We're allowing uh, insurance companies are going to do all the administrative aspects for it. But if there's a loss, we, the government, will pay for it. So they keep the rates lower than it would be if it was out on, on the open market. Mm-hmm. Great program and actually a very successful program. But uh, what uh, basically the, the, that new act had been saying is we're not going to allow that grandfathering anymore. It was being pushed by folks in Washington who wanted to eliminate the program altogether. Um, it also, they were supposed to do an affordability study that wasn't done, so they didn't know these rates were going up. So here's where we weighed in, and this is what I'm so proud about, is the rates came out, the, the act, we had people who said, oh my God, look at what we'll lose. We did a series of forums where we had Senator Markey come to Marshfield, Elizabeth Warren come to Marshfield, Steve Lynch came to Situate, uh, Bill Keating came to both towns, where we had people, Carol Conway Bowman from Conway, she right. was the first to speak and said, if this happens overnight, people along the coast and along rivers all throughout Massachusetts, not just a Marshall situate, but everywhere inland, they're going to lose up to 70% of the value of their homes because people just won't buy. Uh, if, if they, after that, we had Joe Norton. Uh, and by the way, from Marshall, C. Webster was at that meeting. We had bankers speak. Joe Norton said, "If we do this unabated, we're going to have people walk away from their homes. You'll trigger an entire new foreclosure crisis because there is no way people are going to be paying these rates. They'll just say we're going to stop." Uh, we had town leaders who spoke from both towns who said, "We'll lose our tax base. We can't do police, fire, teachers." We had individual homeowners uh, who spoke. Uh, Joe Ross, who was going to call in, David Ball talked about what it would do for citizens. I'm so proud of the fact that that we had legislators who came, listened, and said, this is a crisis, we're going to take action. And a number of us flew back and forth to Washington to weigh in on it. So here's the result. But Bob, I know you wanted to raise one example, by the way, that I wanted to add some facts. What was one business you were talking about off air that, that you knew? Oh, we have uh, Joe Rossi on the line right now. Uh, let, let's oh, talk oh, to okay. one, one story. We know Joe's gonna, yep. Joe knows the story well, too. Well, I remember hearing about head ads right. down in Mushfield and um, how uh, I... I paraphrasing that what the story was all about I, I think his insurance rates were going to go up so high that he wasn't able he wasn't going to be able to keep the business and, and here's what he did and, and you touch upon it off air is that they spent 3.3 million dollars to improve their business to raise it up so it wouldn't mm. have damage they went they were told by FEMA at the time when they did it that they'd have to be elevation uh, they said 12 or 13. Right. They decided to go even higher than that. They they, um, they basically went three feet higher than they were required, bottom line. I think it was the elevation was supposed to be 10 or 11. They went to 13. Anyway, they did the work, got the loan, work was completed, and then FEMA came around just six months later and said, you know what, we made a mistake. We wanted to be elevation 16. Instead of, of the rate you would have, maybe $5,000 a year, your rate's now going to be twenty five, thirty thousand dollars $30,000 a year for flood insurance. 
It was outrageous. And that's one of the things, I know Joe calling in, uh, but we had uh, our forums right at Had Ads. And by the way, they, they should know every time this gets mentioned down in Washington, either Ed Markey uh, or Elizabeth Warren get on the floor of the Senate and they mention Had Ads. Right. Um, every time. They, they should get some good ads. Um, but, but they talk about the, And that's why the new act that got passed reinstated grandfathering, saying if you play by the rules and you follow what the federal government required for what elevation you should be at and you met building codes, you will always be able to be at that, that elevation that was required at that time. Huge win for us here. And I'm so proud of the fact that Marshfield Situate really made the difference. Uh, Joe's going to talk about the cap on rates because there is a cap on rates. Unfortunately, we, we're, they're, the fine line on that there are some rates that are a little bit higher than we had thought be. But I'm also pleased that sales trigger, Bob, that we were worried about saying that the minute you sell a home, it will go to the highest possible rate. That was eliminated. So people actually can pass on. When you sell your property, you can pass on the coverage that you had before, mm-hmm. which, which will help us in real estate. By the way, we have data showing that that situate, for, for one, that the housing sales, property values are continuing to increase. It has not been affecting. We were so worried that, that this kind of crisis was going to be a wet blanket on the real estate. And, and the, the data we're getting thus far has been actually pretty positive. So it's because of, of a whole bunch of people, Joe Rossi being one of them, who's going to be on in a moment. That oh, Joe, Joe, is, yeah. are you, Joe, you there? Yes, I'm here. Hey, thanks, guys, for having me this, uh, this morning. Hmm. Um, Jim, you touched on uh, something that I do want to talk about uh, real quickly, which is the rate, uh, ca- the cap on rates, which I think is, is misleading to people by the way that it's been described, no, by no fault of anyone uh, except for the memos that are a little um, uh, vague when they come out. Uh, from the NFIP. Um, you know, when we, uh, and Jim, you've done such a great job at advocating for the bill that was passed, the uh, Homeowners Flood Insurance Affordability Act, otherwise known as the HFIAA, which was passed last year, put a cap on um, rates so that the most uh, an annual increase to any one property could be is 15%, and the most that any rate table could go up any year was 18%. So you've got two caps, and while those seem high to a lot of people, the alternative under Bigger Waters was a cap of 25%. So we actually lowered the cap, uh, I would say, a significant amount, and not everyone will see those increases up to 18%. Um, but what's important to note is several properties were not included in that, which are include um, pre-firm second homes. Um, and, and that's a big problem, Jim, is, is explain you fir- obviously by know the way, Joe, and situate. Right, Joe, just make sure to explain firm so people know what pre-firm sure, is post-firm. absolutely, yeah. So pre-firm, firm is the flood insurance rate map. So pre-firm means your structure was built and never brought into compliance before flood insurance rate maps ever existed. And in Marshfield, that date is October 14th of 1978. So any structure built before that time is considered pre-firm. And uh, unless under any one building permit, you did 50% or more of the value of the home at the time uh, worth of work, then your building would be considered built um, uh, into compliance at the time that that building permit was pulled. Um, But I I guess getting back to the rate cap, which is, you know, FEMA has um, fees, uh, filing fees and whatnot that are included on every policy. Um, and there's also uh, annual rate increases in the uh, reserve fund. Now, the reserve fund is where um, the money goes uh, to basically build up a rotating fund because the flood insurance fund, at the end of the year, when there is a surplus, gets dumped into the general fund of government. Now, there hasn't been a surplus in several years. Um, actually, last year there was a surplus of a billion dollars. We were able to pay our debt down. 
um, because the NFIPO is about $18 uh, billion. So we were able to pay that down for the first time in several years last year. Um, but what, what FEMA has done is they have said, okay, the rate cap annually at the most is 18%. But then, you know, fees and surcharges, which were added under the HFIAA, as we understood it, which would replace the annual percentage increase on the reserve fund, but instead they kept the reserve fund percentage and added a surcharge to every policy to add to the surcharge um, or to add to the reserve fund. And we were told by several um, people um, that, that know a little bit more about what went on with the bill um, that those surcharges were added and kept in addition to the reserve fund to make up for the lowering of the cap. So, so, so what, we, what we have now is a situation where those, those surcharges and fees, uh, FEMA has deemed those are, are not in, uh, considered in rate therefore is added on to the top of the annual increases. So while you may have a cap of 18%, if you add surcharges and fees, the increase could go from 18% at the most to 25 And in some cases, we know pre-firm second homes could be 37% annual increases. So while, and while it all seems like, like doom and gloom, and, and I'm, I'm, I, I hate to make it sound that way, people just need to be aware that, that this, is, this is what's going on right now, and there are people out there working to fix that. And, in fact, I, I mentioned to, to Jim earlier I'm going down to Washington, D.C. tomorrow for a three-day national flood conference where there are people already talking about the reform for 2017, which is the reauthorization for the NFIP. So... You know, there's a lot of people thinking in a positive way about ways to even further the reform, which I think, Jim, you know, you mentioned earlier that we did a great job um, uh, by getting grandfathering reinstated. You know, you mentioned had ads. They were getting killed because they were not going to get the built-in compliance grandfathering. Right. Um, bringing them to uh, literally $28,000 annual uh, flood increases, those have been restored in the, in the triggers, which was going to be another very detrimental piece where if you sold your house, if you didn't transfer that policy at the time of sale, you were going to lose that policy, which in a lot, lot of times captured grandfathering and pre-firm rates. Now, the only trigger that remains, this is important to remember for people uh, listening, is a lapse in policy. So if you were to have your policy lapse and not reinstated after the 30 days, while pre-firm rates, which are much lower, you can get a pre-firm rate, but you cannot get grandfathering back if your policy lapses. Uh, so, Joe, um, just I just want to get a little bit. You're getting into a lot of specifics here. You know, sure, I, sure. I live I live inland. I'm in Pembroke on a very high mound of <laughs> land, and it, it doesn't affect me. But I, I guess to ask, you know, how many people in Massachusetts or uh, are affected by flood insurance or are now in the floodplain under the new rules? Well, we know we know, and, Mar- and Jim may be able to speak a little bit better to this. But I know the last number I looked at was we were going to have an additional. Uh, 1,400 structures. Now, you have, to, you have to measure this by structures because land does not count. So if your land is in a flood zone, your structure is not. That parcel does not get charged flood insurance. Um, so we, we have an estimate right now of 1,400 new homes, additional In structures. Marshfield alone. Yeah. That's, it, 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 yeah. Yeah. Yes, that's in Marshfield. It, that's Marshfield alone. And, it, and for Marshfield in situ, Joe's absolutely right, it was 2,000 new structures were going to be in, in the flood maps. And even for those listening who are not in a flood zone, unfortunately what's happening is even their homeowners' rates are going higher than they should be uh, just as a result of, of a lot of, of, of this attention. And that's why it's so important. Joe, I, I, I 
one, wanted to thank you because I know your discussion was a little bit in the weeds, but it's so important. And, and we were talking of, we're going to have additional flood insurance uh, meetings. That we, I always appreciate the fact that we're doing so much uh, together here with our federal officials. We all have to thank Bill Keating, by the way, was a hero in this because he brought attention to the fact when FEMA did these maps, they part of their calculus, they were using a flood analysis or a wave analysis that was for the Pacific Coast, <laughs> not for our coast. We, we had others. I have studies that were handed to us when I spoke at one of these forums where we saw they were using the, the wrong base level elevation for where water uh, was, was actually supposed to start at. That's why th there was... They actually had maps, Mike. Now, you've lived in this area almost your whole life. And you guys, I'm a pretty mild-mannered person. We, we had a meeting, the first meeting when they were showing maps, and they were showing waves that were three and a half feet high hitting Marshalltown Hall. <laughs> and, I, and I said, you got it, it, it was ridiculous. <laughs> so, so we are going to do... There's a group that, that, that I uh, co-chair in Boston that, that's the, the Coastal Caucus of All State Legislators. Uh, we had 90 people sign legislation that we did to address this. Joe, you've done a phenomenal job, as has David Ball and Situate, to make sure that local citizens know the information. Our selectmen have done a fantastic job really helping to spearhead these things. Everybody, and I mentioned a whole bunch of folks at our hearings, everyone's done their work. But Joe, I wanted to thank you because I know we'll be talking of a flood insurance here. You're going to bring information back uh, from your meetings and, and we'll, we'll make sure to have uh, this summer have some flood insurance uh, hearings with, with others around the country so that we can, yeah, we can and, all make and sure. I just, and I want to thank you again, Jim, because you've, you've really helped in, in, in being instrumental in bringing national attention here. And I think, you know, one, one last thing I'll leave you guys with is, you know, some, one of the new things we're working with with the coalition right now is, for example, realtors um, struggle because it's not clear based on, um, you know, FEMA doesn't make it that easy to determine what flood zone that a structure is in. And there's actually a law that says if you're given a flood zone determination, which is given to you by a bank, which is the official determination for that mortgage of what flood zone you're in, that the federal law says that flood zone determination has to be guaranteed, meaning that it has to be accurate 100% or that the company that issues it is liable. Well, we are proud to be able, and actually part of what I'm going down to D.C. for the next couple of days is to negotiate terms with a company that we will be bringing a tool, which is free, for realtors to actually get those guaranteed flood zone determinations on their own. So Perfect. this is Very going to be job. a Thank massive, you. massive breakthrough in flood insurance technology that we're bringing right to Marshfield. Hey, so that's just one example of some of the work that we're doing at the coalition. Hey, thank you, Joe Rossi. We have to take another break here. I just want to remind our listeners, this is a talk uh, radio show. Please call in with any questions you have for Attorney Jim Cantwell. Um, we're going to take a break right now. Since yeah, 1975, the average 30-year fixed mortgage rate has been around 8.5%. Today, it's very common to find a 30-year fixed rate somewhere in the fours. The prices of homes have come down 20 to 30% or more off their peaks of just six or seven years ago. Between the drop in interest rates and purchase prices, the payments on homes are more affordable today than they have been since before Jack Kennedy was president 50 years ago. Perhaps Mark Twain said it best, I was seldom able to see an opportunity until it had ceased to be one. Whether you're planning to trade that rent payment and fire your landlord, or you want to take advantage of the best move-up market ever, don't delay, because these rates and prices are going to be going up sooner than you think. I'm Bill Connolly, a certified mortgage planning specialist. Give me a call today to find out the best financing to save your hard-earned money when financing real estate. You can reach me at 781-871-1970. That's 781-871-1970. Bill Connolly is an NMLS licensed mortgage originator in Massachusetts. His NMLS number is 48858. Mortgage Financial is an equal housing lender. Their NMLS company number is MC2644. All loans are subject to credit approval. 
Imperial Inspection Services, complete home inspection services, radon testing, featuring on-site results with electronic testing, lead paint inspection, Title V inspection, pest inspection, including FHA and VA. Call seven days a week, 1-800-440-1141, or visit them on the web at imperialinspectionservices.com. With 28 years' experience in two convenient locations, Braintree and Cape Cod, accepting credit cards for all services rendered. Imperial Inspection Services. 1-800-440-1141. 1-800-440-1141. Are you thinking about selling your home or buying a new one? Are you a first-time home buyer or perhaps just right-sizing? Do you have a buyer's agent? Do you know if you really even need one? What is home staging? Will it really help me sell my home faster? Do I have to have a home inspection? How much home insurance do I need for my new home? How do I handle my estate sale? What are home sale contingencies? Have you heard that you have to put 20% down to buy a new home? Did you know that that wasn't true? Are you worried about environmental issues? What is radon, lead paint, and mold? Is there a difference between a foreclosed property or a short sale? Do you need to have a Title V inspection to sell your home? What do you do if your system fails? Are these questions you have but you don't know who to ask? Hi, I'm Sharon McNamara of Boston Connect Real Estate. Call my office for a one-on-one consultation with me or one of the many dedicated agents at Boston Connect Real Estate so we can talk real estate. It's easy to connect with some of the South Shore's most experienced real estate agents. Go to bostonconnect.com, bostonconnect.com, or call 781-826-7300. more talk real estate absolutely free. Talk real estate with Sharon McNamara. Now, one hour every Saturday morning on 95.9 WATD. We are back. This is Michael Damon of Damon and Associates, and uh, my two guests are Bob Gleason of Boston Connect Real Estate and Attorney and State Representative Jim Cantwell. And we've been talking about flood insurance. And one of the questions we we were, or something that came up, we were talking about additional homes. How many homes? Let's just look at Situate Marshfield are are in the floodplain as it is today. We and, and I'd have to look back at the maps, but I'd say a rule of thumb we could say almost twenty two percent a little bit higher of both of our towns are already in flood zones before these new maps come in. And then we're, you can almost, not quite double it, but it'll be in the mid-30s, almost up to 40% if these came through. And one statistic that I have right in front of me, why it's important nationally, by 2020, the United States Commerce Department estimates 50% of our United States population will live in a county directly on the shoreline. Right now, it's 123 million people live in, in areas that are either coastal areas or right along riverways. And, and that's why this policy is so important for us to make sure the National Flood Insurance Program, we want to make sure the federal government reauthorizes it in 2017. Because without it, if we don't have this program subsidizing, uh, is one way they say it, I always say underwriting the risk, it would be very, very expensive to live anywhere along the coast or anywhere along rivers. Yeah. One of the things that, that I looked at, you know, putting on my tax hat, what have you, was re- what was going to happen to real estate taxes? What was going to happen to the community? Right. Because if those premiums stayed up there, the value of the house goes down, everybody files for an appeal on their real estate abatement, taxes. Abatement, sure. An abatement. And there goes the town budget right out the door. We're already, you know, we've seen some struggling. Pembroke had an override, successful override. Uh, this year, we were looking at some substantial cuts to teachers. Right. Um, so if something like that went on, that would devastate 
our town budgets. It absolutely, and that was one of, I'm glad you brought that up because at those panel meetings when we had hearings with our federal delegation coming down, and, and I can't underscore enough how, how excited I was that, that every one of our federal delegation came and met with folks. One of the things where our local selectmen and town administrators made that point, along with our, our police and fire uh, folks, uh, Phil Tavares here, Mike Stewart, and, and Situate said that w- we will not be able to adequately protect folks uh, to have enough tax revenue for uh, education, police, fire, DPW projects, because uh, our tax base was going to take a major hit. So it, it really, it, it, it was impossible to understate how significant that Bigot Waters Act was and, and what a disaster it would have been. And I'm really pleased. That's where we, we talk to people. There is hope. And, and we keep pointing to the fact that, that we did major changes to that bill with our federal delegation leading the charge. And, uh, and the direct result is right now in real estate, we're seeing prices still are increasing and sales are still going very well. So, you know, they, they, it looked like we, we, we saw the abyss. We've made great improvements and now we're looking to make things even better. By the way, one way of making things better is uh, Marshall and Situate, again, led the charge. We were the tip of the spear of this issue when it came to a separate matter, which were the FUD maps themselves. Mm-hmm. And as I mentioned, Congressman Keating uh, had an independent study showing that they made major errors, FEMA did, in developing the maps. So Marshall and Situate on their own decided to appeal the maps for our two towns based upon the faulty scientific data. As a result, FEMA looked at it in, in the first brush. They said, you know what? It looked like they did make an error. They froze the maps for all of Plymouth County. So not only did we save so far 2,000 structures in Marshfield and Situate, but innumerable structures around Plymouth County while FEMA tries to get it right. The quick update, Mike, is there was a five-member scientific uh, panel that was appointed to try to review the maps. Two were picked by Marshfield. Two were picked by Situate. One was by FEMA. They've reviewed, they, they had just in the last two weeks, they've had the, a conference when they reviewed the maps. We're waiting for them to make some findings and report back to us. Uh, they, it will change the maps that we have here from Marshall and Situate. Either some homes will fall out of the flood zone or the, the required elevations, we believe, will be lower. So knock on wood, we think you know, one or both will happen. And then the town will have to make a decision about accepting new flood maps. Right. But that's a quick update. There's a lot of great work that's taking place by our local officials, state officials, federal officials. Yeah. Well, and this is not just a, a local issue. This is really a national issue. It absolutely you know, is. Because, I mean... I could say, hey, I live in Pembroke, I'm on a high mound, I'm not going to get flooded, but uh, I have a business in town, and I represent a lot of those people, so it, it does affect all of us, and and I think that's part of it is, I think we have to look at it as a community, as a government, and say, you know, how do we address this issue in a fair manner, not only the people that are going to benefit from the flood insurance, but, you know, the rest of the people, yeah, again, it doesn't affect me directly, but should I be paying for part of it as a taxpayer, um, you know, because I do benefit indirectly. I do use the coastline. I do like seeing the houses along the shoreline, and I visit people there, so. And, and your taxes, even though you're in Pembroke and you're up uh, higher, uh, but you're you already going to be seeing effects with your, your homeowners. That We've seen it, and the worries we have is, is once these maps got accepted, and we have fought them, but once they got accepted for, for flood insurance, it was going to affect our homeowners, too. We knew it. We, we knew they'd be closely tied. Uh, we have a caller. Um, I think it's Bob Gilman, the meteorologist. Rob, Rob Gilman, yes. Good morning, gentlemen. Good morning. Fine day it is in May. <laughs> How are you, Rob? I'm great. Never better. And you, Attorney Cantwell. Great. Things, things are fantastic. That's good. It's just a pleasure to sit back and listen, as I'm sure so many people on the South Shore are doing this morning. Uh, maybe they've got the headphones on as they're out uh, trying to get back from this unprecedented winter's damage and uh, this is such an important topic it's something that stimulated me 
back when I was in high school in Boston Latin School in Dorchester in the 60s uh, to study earth science, and that's what I did. I, um, I don't know how much I've gone over with you. You probably know, but I worked at the U.S. Geological Survey as a co-op student at Northeastern with nice. the very beginnings of the federal flood insurance program. Uh, we surveyed rivers in uh, Taunton and Raynham. That, that's and funny, Bob, that you say that because I worked at the Geological Geological Survey myself. But the I old was in, office in Boston? Uh, 1981, uh, 19, no, 1977, 78, I did co-op there. I oh my the, God, we were there together. I worked in the computer department. <laughs> that's funny. That, that's, that is so interesting. You were at Northeastern at the time? I was at Northeastern. I was a computer uh, science major. And computers were a little bigger back then. They were a little <laughs> bit bigger. We were punching cards, uh, and I was smart enough to get out and become an accountant. Okay, Jim, you're out of this conversation. <laughs> it's just us two talking I, about I'm, the elephants marching I'm through. I'm having my water, you guys. Garden when we were back there. Go ahead, but get it, Bob. <laughs> well, it's it's great to reminisce. We've got to do more of that. Uh, but yeah, that that's exactly the times. Um, there was no federal federal flood insurance at the time. Uh, it was you know just a question of one storm after the next. It was the very beginning of concern about climate change or right. rising sea level. Uh, there was, certainly were historic floods, and you know that's the way this program developed. It was to relieve the flooding that was you know occurring in the mississippi river uh, uh, the ohio river and, and that's really what the program was all about and of course it in, in, uh, incorporated our coastal lands as well with time and then the blizzard of 78 hit uh, and it had just begun the um, some people had it some people didn't i don't believe it was mandatory at that time uh, to have the uh, the flood insurance maybe you can correct me on that no, that's what bob is shaking his head yes yeah, so that that's a question he asked uh, off air was uh, you know the flood insurance now is mandatory if you have a mortgage on your home and it's it's underwritten by fannie mae freddie mac which virtually every one of them are uh, then you must have federal flood insurance Mm-hmm. And again, uh, this this is a conversation that will go on and on. It's it just to me, it's fascinating, you know, having worked here. That my first uh, employment was with the Patriot Ledger when I got my degree from Penn State and came back home to work in meteorology. And uh, I went into uh, Bill Ketter's office. He was the editor at the time, and we okay. talked about our coastal issues. We talked about how local weather is often ignored. And of course, the station's owner right here saw that as a very important aspect. And I've been uh, proud to be the staff meteorologist here since uh, 1982. Um, and every time we look at the atmosphere, and again, the atmosphere weighs six quadrillion tons, you know, to determine whether there's going to be an onshore breeze at Brant Rock or whether it's going to be a 12 or 14 inch snowfall or whether it's going to change to rain. We have to take all of this science into account. And it's unbelievable that it's taken how many years now just to slap FEMA around to the point where they shouldn't be using a Pacific wave model along our Atlantic coast. No, I, I agree. And, and not taking account to, of some of our unique features that we have that is so very different, uh, not just for wave action, but just for, for, for how the, the water begins uh, That when they talk at base, uh, base levels. But Rob, we, we, you, you played a huge role in this too, and we appreciated your uh, always weighing in when we were getting these hearings that were to come, to come together. And we will, there'll be a lot more discussion because we know uh, with your background, we know that there's a triple threat that we are dealing with. We, we know there are rising sea levels. We just don't know. People fight over who's responsible. I don't care. We just know it's happening. To what level is something that, that, that there's a lot of debate, and we think that the, the FEMA folks got it wrong. Uh, we are having storms. I, I think in my seven years as a rep, we've had six 
pretty significant storms. I, I, I think it's fair to say that we're, we are, we are having some changing weather patterns, but I, I defer to you, Rob. Mm. And then well, that, that is defined science, the, the fact that our moderate coastal storms are increasing in frequency. I, I and agree. And, and, and here, here's the kicker where I spend my time is that we have such aging infrastructure, and, and that, that's, where, that's where we're spending our time. So, Rob, we appreciate your call in, and we know there'll be much more to discuss. I, I'm getting the, the high five. Right. For, Mike, every, we, for every town in, in the, the all of Plymouth County being included is a great accomplishment for the uh, the upgrade and uh, the change in the uh, look at the maps. Thank you again for everything you're doing, and, and great to talk to the host as well this morning. Hey, thanks, Bob. Thanks, Rob. Hey, um, we're at the point now where I think we have some open houses coming up, so Bob Gleason... You can well, you know what? I think the best thing to do is to go to bostonconnect.com. Uh, There's a list of open houses that would be too long to... Uh, to go through here. Uh, but I, I do want to just say that uh, it, the real estate industry uh, it has to be very thankful for people like Mr. Cantwell for taking this uh, to the step that he, that he has taken it. And the other thing, too, is that uh, if you live in those communities or you're looking to buy or sell in those communities, don't let this scare you away. Definitely not do that. Uh, it can be resolved. It's it's uh, it's still a valuable place to live. This part of the country, especially in the, these communities, so uh, give us a call at um, Boston Connect Real Estate, and we can help you out uh, if you're looking to sell it, sell something, or buy something in that neighborhood. We'd be happy to help you. Also, while I'm on the, I still have the mic. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 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 my uh, contact phone number is seven eight one eight five six six seven one four. I, I, I'm a senior real estate specialist, um, and uh, I'm offering a free moving on guide. It's a 34-page booklet. Just call here at the office, uh, at the office, <laughs> here at the radio station, uh, 781-837-4900. Give Ryan your name and, and phone number and address, and I'll be happy to send one out to you. Thank yeah. you. And, and Jim, why don't you give uh, people your contact information, how they can get a hold of you if they have further questions. Absolutely. Now, for, for folks to reach out to me um, specifically on, on the government side, we'll put my government hat on. Okay. For, they already heard from Marianne McGonigal. If they have real estate questions, they can call Marianne McGonigal, 617-770-1221. My side, if, if they're thinking for things as they relate to, to government activity, uh, my website is just www.jimcantwell.com. My phone number uh, here locally, 781-837-1960. And my email, jim at jimcantwell.com. Michael, thank you so very much for having us here today for a great discussion. Hey, I think we had a great show. Thank you very much, thank guys. You. Thank you, Mike. Appreciate it.